Alligators. Well, I went deep into the 80s for this one. <laughs> Title track for Mannequin. This is Starship, for those that don't know. And don't worry, look, I have not lost my mind. Uh, there, That may or may not have been an Easter egg for uh, Samantha and Irby here for the upcoming time capsule that we will be taking a part in here in, in just a few minutes. But first off, we're Lollygagging Sports. I'm Bo Reed along with Samantha Bun and Matthew Irby. What do you think, Samantha? Was that an Easter egg? Am I am I am I forecasting what I'm up to tonight? Is there what? I think <laughs> I, I think I know where we're going with this. Also, is it weird that it's the second time I've heard that song today? That is a little weird, actually. Yes, it was on in CBS. Really? I was like, hmm, I kind of like this song, and I said, we did just discuss this the other day, like recently, right? About how Jefferson Airplane became Jefferson Starship and then became Starship. Very confusing. Changed into a totally different type of band. Very weird. And then twice in the same day. But anyway, I know where we're going with this time capsule. So. <laughs> I'm glad I could accommodate. You know, you, you got to hear this at least twice in a day. If you're once, you got to hear it again. Right? Like, it's it's one of those songs. Like, yeah, I, like I can go. I can, good. I can go months, even years without hearing this song. But if I hear it once, I'm going to have to hear it again at some point. Also, I also, I also want to watch Mannequin every single time I hear that song. I was not aware that it was in Mannequin, um, although I do have a vague idea of when Mannequin came out to confirm the year for the time capsule, but I actually have not seen Mannequin, although I feel like that one I should watch. I feel, but would I like that movie? I feel like I would like it. You know, it's so it's, it's, it's got a lot of your, your rom-com cheddar that might be a problem, mm-hmm. um, but, mm-hmm. but it's not like you know, ridiculously stupid rom-com chatter either. Like it's, 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 it's not bad. I like it. Now mannequin two is awful. Don't ever watch that. Don't, there's, oh, one, there's, there's two of those. There's two of them and don't ever ah. watch it. Um, but, okay. But the first one, you know what? If, if you're in the mood for some good old fashioned eighties rom-com chatter, mannequin's a good one. I actually enjoy mannequin. Yeah. It's, it's, it's one of my favorite eighties movies. Um, right up there with wildcats. Love wildcats. All right, all right. I, I think I'll have to watch this one. I, I don't mind cheese. I, I don't like sappy stuff. Cheese I can handle. See, it's not overly I can do cheese. It's not overly sappy. I would probably like it then. Yeah, it's it's like like I said, it's it's just got it's just got some good old fashioned eighties cheddar. Like it's eighties rom com. You know, I'm cool with that. You know, yeah, yeah. So it's also got some really interesting. Uh, <laughs> Interesting set decorations. Let's just put it that way. It's like really takes you back to the eighties and neon everywhere in the mall. It will. Do oh, you that. know I wait. There's. Oh, you know how I love a mall, especially an eighties mall. I will watch anything that is set in a mall in the eighties. I listen to Mall Wave on YouTube when I can't sleep. <laughs> With the little videos that flash the pictures of old food courts, yeah, you know. So I would probably love this movie. Actually, I'll do. I'll do you one better. This has the '80s department store. Oh yes, (laughs) I cannot wait. One, one. I might have to watch this tonight. Two of them. One one of them is old school department store. Like we're talking, like you know, Neiman Marcus, and then you've got the the hip. You know, this is the '80s department store we're going to put neon everywhere so you got them both awesome <laughs> it's fantastic Irby, how about you how you doing how, do you enjoy also enjoy 80s department stores and and neon everywhere um not as much as you but I won't <laughs> oh that's fair 
I, you know, I, but it is, you know, we just actually, the last couple weeks, we've been binge watching Stranger Things and season three, Starcourt Starcourt Mall has got plenty of that. So, so that's, that's in the mindset that's there. So yeah, that's, that's the double tab. Also, um, gonna go on a limb and guess that mannequin is probably not our jar of dirt this week. Would I would I would I telegraph the jar of dirt that easily? <laughs> <laughs> like really? Even if you did, I don't think I would guess mannequin. <laughs> you know, I I could have I could have really told you guys what the what the jar of dirt is in movies. I could have easily told you that with the opening audio, and you would have known immediately. But that's not fun. That's not near as much fun. As you guys trying to figure out what what the top movie was in this year, so we got that going for us. <laughs> all right. Well, before we get to that time capsule, uh, we've got we've got all baseball on the show today, which is what we like <laughs> on our show. We enjoy baseball. It's a baseball podcast. We'll talk football during the season, but we're in the off season now. And there's not even really anything going on in the NFL offseason. So baseball it is. Samantha, let's start. Once again, <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like it's Groundhog Day because we are once again talking about the Oakland A's and Vegas. Now, here's the latest, and I'm still trying to follow the tea leaves on this to figure out exactly where the hell we are. But in exchange for keeping... For extending the lease to the Coliseum, the Oakland Coliseum, it's it, for in exchange for keeping that lease through the 2028 or until 2028, so that, you know their new stadium will be open in Vegas. Baseball in the city of Oakland are now negotiating a guaranteed expansion team. Am I reading this correct? Why don't you just make Vegas the expansion team? Because that makes too much sense. I don't get it. It's just, just, I mean, this is like. Like, nothing makes me madder than seeing, like, an adult having a tantrum being rewarded for it. And that's what this is, right? The Uh owner is having a fit. He wants to move to Vegas because he wants to move to Vegas because he is unhappy with his relationship with the city of Oakland. Right. So he pitched a fit. Uh And he's going to get what he wants, even though it doesn't make any sense at all. Like, why on earth would you remove a team from there knowing expansion is coming? Knowing that, I mean, it has, I guess, some similarities to what happened with the Browns in that respect. Um, obviously, different situation for the reason behind the move and how it worked and all, but it's like, this is, it's really weird. You say you want to expand baseball into other markets, then why would you steal somebody's team, crush the fan base, who are, by the way, probably going to be kind of reluctant to latch onto that new team because surprise, they're mad at you. You stole their team. Like, I mean, this guy, you're going to let this guy walk out of town with a baseball team just because he feels like, you know, right. I, I'm tired of it here. I'd, I'd like to move somewhere else and take the entire team with him. Like, no, then you make him sell that team and you tell that man that if he wants to do this so badly that he can bid on the expansion team. He sells the team in Oakland. The team stays there. He can, if he so chooses, put in a bid on the expansion team. If he has, in fact, sold the Oakland Athletics, and he can bid on whatever it is they're putting in Vegas, the Feral Cats can stay where they are, the A's can stay where they are, the Press Box Possum can stay where it is. 
well, let's hope nobody has to stay with the press box pass, and we're going to assume there's going to be a new stadium there one way or the other, but mm-hmm. I, this is just ridiculous. Like, stop rewarding adult billionaires throwing tantrums. This is crazy. You know, I am actually kind of curious. I, I, I would like to see a poll. I mean, it's an election year. There's polls everywhere. This is a fun poll. Let's have some fun. Ask Oakland A's fans. Give them a scenario. Scenario A, the A's stay with current ownership in place. They don't move. Vegas gets the expansion team. Or B, this ownership group leaves with the A's, and you get the expansion team with a fresh ownership group and more than likely a new stadium and all the. I kind of wonder how many would actually take A. I think everyone will take A. You think everyone would take A? I mean, imagine having to give it. You're not going to give up your baseball team just to get rid of a bad owner. Like, you, you think if somebody was threatening to move my baseball team, which I love more than most of my own family, mm-hmm. and said, don't worry, we'll give you a new one? Like, mm. F off, man. No thanks. Yeah, you put no. It, you, like, you, you, <laughs> absolutely not. I wouldn't even have to think about it. I, I would think you'd get 100% no. I'm not. No. <laughs> you want your team. Wow. <laughs> you know, when you put it that way, I, yeah, I, I could see that. I could see that. Irby, how about you? What, what, what do you think here? A's expansion team (sighs) I don't ask me to think because logic is not in this equation like we're not thinking here there's nothing I I, spot on with what y'all were saying about like like, stop rewarding whiny billionaires here and everything like there's plenty of other things he can go out and do and and ruin and everything because this is not man this is this is the ultimate. I have money. I know the end product, but I have no idea how we're going to get there. But we're going to get there. Like, well, no, there's actually not a path to get there. No, we're going to get there. And I, this does not end well. I, I I was always one of the ones that was like, yeah, this seems inevitable that they will be the Vegas A's or whatever they're going to be called. But now, I don't know. I, I can't say that for sure anymore. It's, you know, now that you're tying this in with expansion and everything, golly, let's Let's complicate this even more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's let's complicate this some more. Right? It wasn't because complicated enough. Let's let's make it worse. I mean, is, is part of this deal, Samantha, going to be that the expansion team is going to be the A's and Vegas gets to rename the team? Is that going to be part of this deal? Well, I think if you do that, that's where I think it's tempting to say, "Yeah, get rid of them." If you do kind of what the NFL did with the Browns, where the city, the original city, retains the team's history, the team's colors, the right. team name, and all of that, then what do you care? Because it's still your team, right? Like, uh-huh. you're just, you, you probably won't even have those those in-between years where you won't have one the way that Cleveland did. So, in that way, yeah, sure, you'll take it because you're still getting the A's, right? Like, right. it's like, are you really that attached to any individual on that roster? Of course you're not because they're not even trying to put real people on their roster right now. So, it's, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's maybe a little bit different. But also, like, can you see baseball getting it together and applying that kind of logic to this no. and, like, sorting it out that way? There's no way they're going to no. do that. Like, <laughs> just, like, I don't know, the crazy billionaire, gap guy, whatever he is, I don't know. Like, he, I, that guy's so petty, and he feels so bad for himself. that like, mm-hmm. there's no way that guy's going to agree to that. You know, he'll do it just to spite everyone. Like, just to be a dick. So, I don't see it happening. <laughs> no, no, no. I don't, I don't need it. Okay. Well, how about this? Let's have, let's have some fun then. Right? A's in Vegas, expansion team in Oakland. All right. Where are we going to – how can we get the feral cats in here, Samantha? Because, like, if, if we're going to have a suspension team and they get a new stadium, we still need to have the cats, right? Yeah. 
Like they, they have to come with this this expansion team. Well, I mean, aren't we calling the expansion team the Feral Cats? That works too. Like, I mean, I just feel like there's really not any other appropriate name to use. I mean, I, I could get on board with possums, but there is only one possum, singular, right? So yeah, Feral Cats really just works better, and it, they're really more embedded in the culture there. So I guess you just rename the team the Oakland Feral Cats. You pick up all the feral cats from the Coliseum before you demo it, and you bring them over. Like, look, man, they're feral cats. They're going to be like, it's cool. I'll just move to the other stadium. They're not going to mind. I'm fine. Well, okay. Does it have to be feral cats, or could it be wild cats? Because wild cats has been used before in sports. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I know that's... Mostly think that, like, that's like a college or high school name. My high school is wild cats. Um... Mm-hmm. I, it was unclear to anyone what exactly a wildcat was. <laughs> so, um, Fair. I don't know if it's very baseball-y, but, but you could get away with it that way, right? As a nod to the feral cats, but as something that actually kind of plays as a mascot, you could do it. I mean, it, there are worse names for baseball teams. I mean, the Royals in the middle of Kansas City. Really? What's, I, what's, well, what's, what's regal about that part of the country? <laughs> I, I, yeah, I mean... Don't you just think about, like, we weren't obviously, we obviously weren't alive when that team was created. Right. But, like, wouldn't you just have looked at that and thought, wow, you ain't high, don't you? (laughs) (laughs) Put a a stadium in the middle of a cornfield and call them the Kansas City Royal. Okay. Sure. (laughs) Royal what, exactly? Royal what? Royal what? Unclear. (laughs) (laughs) Just royal. You know, crowns and stuff. Sure. <laughs> this is this is one of the good things about social media. Social media back then would have been able to go, no, we're not the Royals. Well, that's what we're voting on. No. 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 No, we're not. We're not. Couldn't you just see that as a Twitter poll? <laughs> <laughs> like, like, who was that up against, like, those things that show up in, like, those name the snowplow contests, which were, like, they're always either, like, hilariously stupid or, like, really clever, and then somebody comes in and it's, like, whales, and you're like, what? No. No. (laughs) 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 And, you know, the the poor intern in the front office that came up with the name Royals just sitting over there kicking a can, like, oh, nobody likes my name. Yeah, although, I mean, if we're being honest, isn't athletics also a pretty stupid thing to call your team? Oh, especially if you've got bowling balls on it. Yeah, I mean, athletics. Like, it's not really even the correct use of the word. I mean, it's like <laughs> we don't notice it because we always say the A's, and the A's sounds fine. But, like, the athletics, who have been around forever and have moved multiple times, it's like at no point did somebody, when moving that team, you know, 100 years ago, decide, you know, this wasn't, like, the smartest thing to call a baseball team. Maybe we should reset. Yeah, what is this going to be, like, their fourth city, fourth or fifth city for the A's? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's been uh, very peripatetic. Uh, it's just that it's been so long since they've moved. <laughs> oh, oh no. Oakland feral cats. It does kind of roll off the tongue. We're so it used does. to saying it in other contexts. It, it does. <clears throat> I want to see the logo. That's what I want. I want to, <laughs> I want to see the logo for this. <laughs> 
You know, let, let, Ve- let Vegas said that stupid elephant, whatever the hell that means. Elephant. No, like, don't. How dare you slander Stomper that way? Stomper's amazing. I just don't no. understand the athletics and an elephant. I, I, I don't. Oh, there, no, there's a story behind that. Because a long time ago, I'm not going to tell the whole story on the podcast because it'll take forever. But when, when we bought the team and talked about, you just bought a white elephant. So they put it on there as a joke. Oh, that's where the elephant comes from. It's okay. been around since they were in, I believe, Philadelphia. Um, so, yeah, so there is a reason for Stopper. Um, it's sort of a, a, they were kind of um, taking control of the narrative uh, when somebody else was mocking them. <laughs> and that's why we have Stopper, who is amazing. I mean, I got, but, um, I've, got, I've got really got no place to talk. I mean, the Rangers have a horse. Yeah, which I don't think. Well, I mean, no, but they did, you know, the Texas Rangers rode horses. Okay. I mean, we all hate Captain, right? But I do understand where the <laughs> logic behind it was. Um, I don't know, Irby. I don't think there was much logic in that one. I think they just picked the first one that showed up. Well, no, I look, the horse makes sense. It's just the, the, the actual mascot of this yeah, horse. It's the is specific not, horse. Yeah. Right? Not, not the, it's not a horse mascot. It's the, the captain. Yeah. <laughs> It's Captain. Looks like he fell out of a Disney cartoon. He did fall out of a Disney cartoon. <laughs> Let's put him back. Right? He's <laughs> he's on the he's on the cutting he cut the cutting floor of Disney. Now somebody just saw it and said, "Oh, this would be good for a baseball mascot." No. Yeah, he's Bullseye from Toy Story. Like every time I see him, I want to go ride like the wind, Captain. He does look like Bullseye. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, speaking of falling out of a Disney film, let's talk about Boris and Ricketts because this is <laughs> this is going to be rather. It's, it's actually kind of interesting because I, I, Smith. I think on one hand, Ricketts is trying to challenge Boris, and on the other hand, Boris is like, "Okay, we got another one." Everyone tries this, forgetting the fact that Boris represents a lot of the high quality talent of baseball. You either work with them or you don't sign good players. Right, that's where we're at with boy. We've been that way with Boris for the last, I don't know, twenty years, thirty years. Like, what is going on here between these two? Yeah, it's. I mean, I know part of what Ricketts is upset about is the way that Boris Corp goes about doing business, and some of his complaints I think are very legitimate, and some of them are not. And again, it's like it's really hard to like side with the billionaire owner. Like, I'm sure Scott mm-hmm. Boris is a huge pain to deal with. Right, but like the player is not, and you want the players, right? And you understand why the player wants money, and like you don't want to spend money, so we get it. Like there, there are, sure, of course, opposing agendas here. The agent is the go-between, but like I think some of what he is saying is valid. You know, he talked a lot about Boris refusing to speak to his GM and trying to go right to the owner, which we know why Boris does this, right? It's because mm-hmm. owners are stupid because they don't know what they're doing, and they're the guy who signs the checks. So, and I understand why Ricketts is saying, hey, you're undermining my GM. Like, he conducts business on our behalf. You speak to the person who conducts business. So, I get that part of it. But the part where he's just, well, we're waiting for them to come to us. Like, yeah, but they told you what the threshold was. If you're unwilling to meet it, they're going to go somewhere else. So, the price is not going to come down. That's just not how it works. Like, we've talked about this with Boris before. It's who blinks first, and the person who blinks first is never Scott Boris. And you can hate it, yeah. and you can say, okay, I'm not willing to pay for this guy. But if you want to put together a good team and you're willing to put some money into it, sooner or later, you're going to have to work with them. And I, I don't think this is doing either side <clears throat> any favors getting into this. And it also puts Cody Bellinger in a really bad position. 
No, no, it definitely does. It definitely does because you got you. This is probably you got Boris here. Like, well, spring training has started. Somebody's going to somebody's going to lose lose a player. They're going to need. They're going to have an injury. They need to replace the guy, and then they're going to come in with that offer that I'm looking for for Cody Bellinger. Yep. Right. Same thing he's doing with with, with Jordan Montgomery. Right. So, I, I, you know, Irby, we. This is the price of doing business with Scott Boris. Samantha, you just said it perfectly. That's, he's not going to blink. We all know it. All these owners should know this by now. So why are we here? It, 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 every year we get someone that wants to challenge Boris and every year they fail. <laughs> yep. Yep. Every year it's the same thing of like, well, yeah, yeah we're just not going to sign this guy. Okay. Well, good luck. I mean, you, you see what he's got out there. He's got three all-stars ready still. And, and, and y'all are right. Like this is not new. So, Y'all said it, Beth. I won't. I really won't cover much more of it because it's the same thing. This has always happened. This is happening again. It will continue to happen. It is the game. Now, if you put in something about some kind of limit, on, you know, the free agency deadline, sure, then it, it changes things. But until that happens, no. Boris has talked to these guys, and 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 they have talked with other players who are clients as well. And it, and it's it is a process. And look, you want this. You either want this money, or you want to play for one of these teams. To get that, you have to let me do my thing. And that's what he's doing. And the reason why is, is that he ends up, like you said, Bo, he doesn't blink. He ends up getting the players what they want. Yeah, sure, there's this little bit of a weirdness, missing spring training, stuff like that that you got to deal with. Everybody forgets about that like two weeks later. Uh-huh. Like it's just a weirdness for 48 hours and then it's over with. And okay, sure, the, the GM or the owners, you know, a little butthurt, but who cares? You got your money, you got your player, yeah. everybody's fine. Like, winning fixes everything. So you got your guy and everything. So, no, they, it will get resolved with these three players. Um, the interesting thing, too, about these three guys is that the, you know, missing some of this time, this, this isn't necessarily a bad thing for them. I know with a pitcher you got to stretch them out and things like that, but these are guys that you need for September and October, yeah. not March. Right, right. You know, if they, if they can only go four innings, five innings, and their first couple of starts in April, so be it. It's fine. No, 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 I get it. Samantha, anything you want to add here? No, I'm good. Okay, well, uh, this next guy, is it's not okay. Uh, we got to talk about Anthony Rendon. I know a lot of people talk about this, but, I mean, we, we've talked about this already on the show before. The guy just hates baseball. And, you know, it's a lot of fun to make fun of him and pick on him for this and that, but, I mean, I mean you're the Angels. You just lost a Tani. You still got Trout. You still have Rendon when he wants to show up and play. But you're also you're also at this point, Samantha, as a team, as an organization, where you're going to have a lot of young, impressionable players coming across your your lineup card over the next few years as they, as they try to, I guess, I guess try to build around Trout. I don't know how much Trout has left in the tank where they can even do that over the course of the next few years, but. That's where the Angels are as an organization. It's not like it's a veteran club and it's going to stay a veteran club that could just ignore Rendon and his antics. There's some young players coming up that he's going to be the veteran presence on the clubhouse for, which if I'm an Angels fan, if, I, if I'm a part of that organization, that terrifies me. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, you want that guy gone, right? Like, I don't want someone who doesn't want to be there. Like, I, this is appalling to me. Like, I just, like, I feel like I'm to the point where I just hate this guy. 
And it's amazing to me that people will cherry pick things out that he said and defend him using the logic that like, well, it's okay to not love your job and it's okay to prioritize other things. And I thought, wow, that is really, really a twisting of the narrative here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because if all Anthony Rendon had said was my priorities in life are faith and family, those come before baseball. And if I find that I can't dedicate enough time to both, then I'll have to quit baseball. I think we would have gone, okay, dude, good for you. You know, like Uh that's fine. And if you feel like it's going that way, you should quit. But you'll notice he hasn't quit, right? He's collecting a check. And like the, it's, I think there are ways to say that where you can say, hey, this is how I feel about it. But the way that he has approached this is, and this isn't just about the interview that he just gave this week. This is about a series of comments that he's made where he has been sneering and contemptuous towards the sport and the people who are involved with the sport and the people who love that sport. And I'm sorry, but like, if you're going to go around and disrespect the fans who pay to see you play baseball, the other people who rely on you as a teammate, the people who are paying your checks, not that I care about somebody disrespecting Artie Marino in in most (laughs) contexts, right? but, and, and maybe most importantly, the people who are working their asses off just for a chance to compete for a roster spot. And you're going to sit there and say, I don't really want to do this. In fact, I'm going to phone it in half the time. And that's the other thing. He's not saying, I don't love this, and then giving 100% anyway. Then I guess we'd all just roll our eyes and go, okay, Anthony, you don't need to tell us about it. But he's not. This guy's phoning it in all the time. And he's getting aggressive and combative with reporters who are just doing their jobs. Yeah. So if you're just doing a job, Anthony, then you better respect that other people are doing their jobs too. And that includes the people who are paying you and the people who have to stand beside you on that field. And not to mention all of the people who, you know, go to their jobs to earn money so they can come and watch you play baseball. I just think it's disgusting. Mm -hmm. And I can't believe people are defending this and acting like this is just, well, he has a healthy work-life balance. It's like, no, he doesn't. And and also, by the way, I would love to know how much time this guy really spends parenting his children and working at his church. Because I'm willing to bet it's not enough time to say, well, I just don't have time to have a job. And like, guess what, buddy? Everybody else does that stuff, too. And they still go to work. So I don't want to hear it. I just... I think it's obnoxious and disrespectful and there, there are ways to communicate something like that that are fine. The way that he communicated it, absolutely not fine. Like I want this guy gone. I want him out. I agree. I agree. You know, and the, probably the biggest take I've seen in terms of defending him is, well, he wants he wants his family's more important than baseball. What's wrong with that? Well, a lot of things are wrong with the way he put it. Just like he said, I'm not going to rehash. Yes. What he, I'm not, I'm not going to rehash what you just said. Um, but I will say this, Irby, I will say this. Baseball has seen its share of divas, okay? Barry Bonds, Alex Rodriguez. There's been a lot of them, right? Most Really a lot Chris recently. Sale. Thank you, Chris Sorry. Sale. Chris Sale, yeah. Kim uh, Anderson. You know, Babe Ruth, funny, but still a diva, all right? We Ty Cobb. Ty Cobb. There you go. Ty Cobb, right? We've had the, the game has Pete Rose, all right? Divas everywhere. Pete Rose is still a diva, but he's, he's actually funnier now, which is interesting. I don't think I've seen one, though, Irby, that 
takes that villain mantle and seems to be proud of it. Not quite like this guy. Like, like, like he's 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 not accidentally putting this out there. He didn't just wake up to grab a shower and while he's in the shower say, "I'm gonna be an ass today." No, this is this is this is what he, he wants to project out. He wants the fans to know this about him. He wants his fans to know this about him. how many Rendon jerseys are we going to see at opening day of uh, at, at, at in, in L.A. with the Angels? How many Rendon jerseys are we going to see now? He's doing this on purpose. He doesn't want to talk to the press. He doesn't want to sign autographs. He doesn't want to do any of the goodwill ambassador things that players need to do. The ones that are the high-profile players. This is part of your job. He wants to talk about his job. That's part of his job. He doesn't want to do it anymore, so he pops off to the press. Yeah, I'm about to give you a Mike Gundy. Well done. I was so, going to say the same thing. I was about to yell, come after me. I'm a man. <laughs> um, you guys are both right. Like this is, this is the ultimate attitude reflects leadership, all the way from the ownership down and what we've seen with the Angels for so long. I been down, like Samantha, you said it well. Both, both of y'all said it perfectly well, so I won't give it much more of just that. I yawn. I, I'm not impressed. There are so many ways to make the family and faith, if that is a, is a really a priority, I can we could sit here and just list numerous, numerous examples of people in a more celebrity life where they find that balance and how they talk about it. This is not it. This is it, it's not a crutch, and that's what he wants. He wants it as a crutch. Is that I you know if that if it truly is an issue, Anthony, you can't spend time with them, then stop playing. It's that simple. But you now the way he went about it, no, not impressed. This is where, like, when I tick off people, especially my wife, I yawn. Like, this is the ultimate yawn for me. Just yawn. Like, I got no, I had nothing for you, anything like that. Like, this is whatever. Dr. Shelley, but I, yeah. But as for um, Angel fans, yeah, the ones that are, are the defending and, and the Angels and how you're dealing with them, I mean, the attitude, where it starts from ownership all the way down. And, and truthfully, the only way I can get through to them and, and to Anthony is, is to say, I decir verdad, Bo. Esto es por lo que pagaste Los Angeles y las malas inversiones. Pagas de más por un inversionamiento más a la de se albopuls. Luego extiende hasta caro en una retina mitral. A continuación entrego mucho dinero para Shohei hasta que si tiene sentimiento que ahora esté atrapado Paganda a un hombre de la Il del Altro, Charles Barclay. No soy un modelo a ciego para su regalo. Lo siento, Angeles. Talente apaga el hombre. There's, there's that Texas Spanish that I'm so proud of. <laughs> <laughs> Every time, do you speak? You speak Spanish? I speak. I speak Texas Spanish. Texas man. <laughs> I it was what, was that pay the man at the end there? Is that what that was? Shut uh, up and pay the man. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of want to give you my gunny just for the Spanish. I know, right? That's great. That's great. <laughs> 
my terrible Spanish. Yes, I know. <laughs> oh Lord. Yeah. You, know, you know what's interesting though? I was I was actually thinking about this today. Uh, I got into a, a, into a Twitter dust up a few years ago with one of those rabble rousers that likes to go and look at old posts. And he, he found it, dug up one of my old tweets where I said Rendon was going to be a bust. Turns out I wasn't off the mark. <laughs> kind of right, though. Isn't it? <laughs> it is. Yeah. So I'm saying. He self busted. <laughs> yeah. Spoke too soon there, buddy. Oh, poor internet troll. You, you, you jumped too early. You jumped too early, buddy. Aw. That's sad. That's well, sad. I, I, I remember that because I was one that was kind of high on him. I was too. He was, he was a solid player at Rice, but he was. I mean, sadly, and now here's the one I'll do that might get dug up later. He, the way he's acting, even then, is Caleb Williams. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. Come, <laughs> come draft day. There's going to be there's going to be some conversations about 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 one Caleb Williams. That's for that's for sure. <sighs> Boy. All right, Samantha. Anything else on this before we move on to something that's a little bit more fun? No, let's let's not give Anthony Rendon any more attention. <laughs> I think we've said what we needed to say. Okay. You know, he, he wants to go focus on something else. Go ahead, pal. Won't miss you. you. You know what needs a very powerful spotlight on it? And thank you for shining that spotlight on this. I didn't know. I had no idea this was going on today. The Cleveland Guardians chess tournament. I need the, I need the recap. I, I need to know what happened. Who drank too much beer? Were there some disagreements on moves? Like, like what happened in the Guardians chess tournament, Samantha? I, you guys, this was wild. I spent three plus hours today watching other people play chess. Wow. Like, this is the level of dedication that I have to the Cleveland Guardians. Apparently, I will watch them do anything. It would be weird. I mean, this is a, we could do a poll. Like, you know, one of the worst things you can think of would you watch the Cleveland Guardians do it. Chess would be pretty far down the list. Like, I respect chess, but I'm not particularly interested in it. And watching other people do it would never have been it. But this was awesome. It was so fun. The guys were having so much fun. Raising money for their charities. The fans were having fun. Like, this was Dunthroughchess.com, which is apparently quite the thing. Um, it's got like two million chess people are like, duh. But you know, you have to understand that. Like, I as a baseball person, like, showed up there and was like, oh, okay, this is fun. I don't understand anything we're doing, but it's fun. Um, but I mean, hats off to the Guardians and, and particularly to Stephen Kwan who organized all this and who was also sort of the person who was spearheaded this uh, chess movement in the Guardians clubhouse for putting this whole thing together. It was. I thought this was going to be very like you know, low tech, like we're going to stick a camera in the corner and <laughs> watch people play chess on their computers. But I mean, they had commentators on it who were very good, by the way. So just really impressive. They had, you know, Gabby Cruz, who's a ballpark host for the Guardians, came in and kind of acted as a sideline reporter. It was great. So love this. I mean, the Guardians are like the most lovable baseball team that has ever existed in their current iteration. They're probably not the most successful, but my goodness, are they the most likable team that's ever, <laughs> ever been. I can't think of another. I'm sure I'm terribly, terribly biased on that, but um, I, don't, I don't care. No one will ever convince me that that's not true. But, you know, and they, they talked a lot, too. You know, it's interesting to hear them talk about how they think it helps them with baseball and how it's really bonded them as a team. And, you know, if you're a Guardians fan, you've been following along this whole time. This isn't really new to us, the um, idea that they spend so much time playing chess. In fact, one of the things that they do 
frequently during the season on their off days is go and play against the chess club at John Marshall High School. So super cool, like sort of community outreach that they're doing. Um, and, you know, Quan, of course, was the guy who was super into it at the beginning, started teaching some of the teammates in the minor leagues and then teaching players at the major league level. They almost all learned from Quan. So super, super cool. Plus, it was just hilarious, man. Like, Austin Edges drank, like, 20 beers during the course of this chess tournament, which is probably the first time anybody has ever gotten so blasted during a chess tournament that they could not finish. He had to forfeit his last round because he had to go take a nap. It was absolutely hilarious. So on brand for Hedges. We love that. Talking trash. All these guys. Shout out to David Fry, who was, like, a replacement for Scott Barlow at the end of this and, and got just, like, absolutely smoked. But in his defense, he wasn't prepared to be there. You know, I mean, Tristan McKenzie's got a custom mitt that looks like a chessboard. Like, these guys are super into it. It's awesome. It was so fun. Great way to kick off spring training. And also, one of the weirder things I've seen a baseball team do promotionally that actually worked. Um, but just awesome. So fun. So much fun. <laughs> You know, Irby, I think I would actually pay to watch Austin Hedges in a chess tournament if beer is involved. I think I would pay to see that. As long as he's having a shotgun of beer per move. Okay, that could get ugly really fast. (laughs) (laughs) But, hey, this is – I look, I'm I'm all for things like this. This goes back to what we just talked about with the issue with the Angels. For attitude, you know, leadership, the attitude is reflective of leadership. This is great that – a, a new management in everything, new new stuff. Sort of like like you are allowing this stuff. It is it is silly. It is funny. It is in you know engaging with fans, which helps as well. But you know what? It's also doing. It is bonding the team together. Yes, bonding players yes. together, and that's all you really need. I mean, it it can be this simple. And I say this as somebody and Bo, you're there with you. We just went through a World Series run listening to Creed. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know what? Whatever the frick it takes to get the job done. <laughs> I think in that instance, you know, go for the gold with the F-bomb, buddy. But sure. Uh, uh, <laughs> I can label it as PG-13 this week. It's fine. <laughs> no, well, well, PG-13, you technically get one per movie. But whatever, that's beside the point. But no, the bonding. Like, Are you saving yours for the time capsule? <laughs> uh I, wow! No, it is. I am. I am. I am. I am all here for bond. Anything bonding. That that is okay. the beauty of it. I'm not taking away from any other sport, but it's baseball. I love that bonding. Here's what I need, Samantha. I need you to report back if you start seeing a hand signal after after you know singles and doubles and, and any hit. Right, that's not a home run. Like a hand signal that if that that is a nod to chess. I need to know immediately when you see one of these. Chess related enhancing. Okay, I'll keep an eye out for that. Last year we were drawing the heart. Um, that right. was our, you know, we were drawing the uh, the heart in the air. Um, that was our celebration. But yeah, maybe we'll really lean into this chess thing and do that. I mean, and these guys. So I will report back to you if I see anything like that. Yeah. But yeah. I, I just want to touch really quickly on what Irby was saying. It's like, yeah, I think the most important part of this is that these guys are clearly really, really good friends. They really love each other. And that can end up mattering. I mean, we knew this before, right? We knew it when they traded Sabali. It was like a disaster. They all freaked out. Like, these guys are really, really deeply bonded. I mean, like, we have pictures of them. Like, during the All-Star break, going to Target together. Our entire outfield was together in a Target because apparently they can't even go to Target without each other which is awesome. It's awesome. Love that the team is so bonded that way. It's really, really good for them. And this is just, you know, you could see it today. You could see how much these guys love each other and how they want to spend all their free time together. And it's awesome. That right there. That's how you win world series right there. 
It is the anti-Anthony Rendon. Yes. This is the opposite of Anthony Rendon. Yes. Anthony Rendon would be shunned on that team. Well, he'd be shunned on all the other teams, and I'm not saying... I think most teams. Yeah, probably not, anyone but the Angels. I'm not even sure that the Angels don't. I mean, does this sound like a player Ron Washington is going to want to put in his lineup card every day? I don't know. Oh, I can't wait to see the first time when Wash finally hits the ceiling on that. <laughs> I, I feel like it's going to be in April. Yeah, I don't it, think it's going to take long. Like, you know what? You go home. Like, you know, Wash has no time for this. Hmm. None. <laughs> no, absolutely not. And it, it needs to be needs to be in the field. The, the Angels are in the third base dugout, and he just some lazy ground ball misses, and Wash just storms out there yeah. and <laughs> wailing on him. Drag him off like, the field. <laughs> He's so great. Like, like, like that dust up between um, Billy Martin and Reggie Jackson in the dugout. Something like that. <laughs> Where a camera yeah. can get on them when they're in the middle of this. Because that's that's what I need in life is with Ron Washington cornering Rendon in the in the, or 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 uh, it was Lou Pinella and um, that relief pitcher in the cl- in the clubhouse where they actually went at it. Um, oh, I'm blanking on the reliever's name. Oh, uh, wait, this is a Mariners incident, right? No, I think, um, no, I think it was the Reds. Um, it could have been both. It's Lou Pinella. Yeah, I don't, I'm not sure then. I don't remember. I'm not sure. Um, but I could see that happening. Yeah, yeah. I, I could definitely see that happening. <laughs> All right, one more before we get into the time capsule. Uh, we've had our first car casualty of spring training. So this is also going to serve as a friendly reminder. Um, you're parking outside of a baseball field. You may want to park behind the plate and, 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 and get a few, a few rows back. Uh, because you don't want to, you don't want to walk out after after watching some scrimmage play, watching some practice, getting a couple autographs, and your back window is gone because a baseball hit it, which happened at Cardinals camp today. <laughs> you know, I, I it never ceases to amaze me, Samantha. Like like people are, it's like they they think that the ball is magically going to stay in the park. It's the only explanation I have for some of the way, the way these people are parking around stadiums. I yeah, it's weird to me because like in a, a major league stadium, you're not going to have this right. So, but we've seen this happen at minor league parks. Definitely spring training. I mean, you could choose to park somewhere else. I'm just saying, just because there are parking spaces there doesn't mean you need to park in them. And I, I think we all been to the everybody here has been to the Cardinals facility, right? So like we were having a little bit of trouble figuring this out. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't, but. I don't know where they parked. Somehow. I don't even understand why anyone was there, really, because it was like the first day of full squad workout. There were, there was no game, obviously, at this point. So I'm not exactly sure what was going on with that. But like I, my question for you guys is, like, on some level, though, would you be honored if someone hit your car? Because I think that I would. Yeah. Like, I would be like, like, I was talking, my mom was talking about this, and she was like, could you get him to take the windshield out and, like, preserve it with the ball stuck in it? Because I was, she's like, I would hang that on my wall. I was like, it's a good idea. I would hang that's, that on my wall, too. That's okay. awesome. That's, that's, actually. that's genius. Like, yeah. like, like, your own, like your own personal fathead. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Amazing. And because you know the team is going to pay to, for whatever damage was done. You're sure. getting a free ball. Like, 
I don't know. I mean, I know it would be a pain, obviously, but like I would be just a little bit honored, especially if they could preserve that windshield for me and I could hang it on my wall like an art piece. I think so. I, I think so. I mean, I mean, it, it actually isn't overly expensive to have a windshield or a back window replaced anymore. So I think I think I would rather have a signed bat and I'll just replace the window myself. Me too, actually. It's not that hard. And you don't have to, it's not like you have to leave your car for a week for something like that. They can do it in a day. Yeah. So. Yeah, you can I even. Know, you, yeah, I think I'd let him hit my car. They'll even yeah. come to your house and do it for you. Oh, well, that's even easy. See, okay. It's a, it's a now, now, we're, now we're discussing, would you let a baseball player hit your car? And it turns out the answer is absolutely yes. <laughs> well, yes, I, I would. <laughs> I'm not going to speak for Irby, but yeah, I, mean, I would. Yeah. I would. Well, Irby, I mean, are you, are we unanimous on this? Would you let a, somebody hit your car? I, anyone but Rendon. <laughs> Fair. Fair. Okay, let's 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 think about the. If Rindone did it, suddenly my neck's hurting too. Let's read. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Hang on. Let's do the math on this. Now, this is this is rather intriguing. You might actually have more people parking where they could get their their car could get hit. Let's do the math on this. What 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 is the going price for say a Josh Naylor or a Corey Seager signed bat? I mean, we're talking two fifty, three hundred dollars at least, if not more, right? Yeah. So okay, a, a windshield, a back window will cost you maybe a hundred bucks. Yeah, especially because, and that cost is going to be covered too. So really, you're just it's your time, right? Because you know the team's paying that bill. They will they will take care of the bill. So it's really what is the cost of your time to get that repaired? It's less than a bat. Right. Yeah. Plus the awesome experience of explaining to people that it was your car, uh-huh. the guy. Well, you yeah. could dine out on that story for years. Right. Yeah. So. But but I mean, I, but even it's if it's even worth it, it's even worth it too. That what if what if it doesn't even break? Like if it just like dents the, you know the the hood, something like that, where you get the money from the team and then you're like, I'm not even gonna fix it. Why? Because it's worth it, driving around. You can get that fixed. No, man, that's a Corey Seager foul ball. <laughs> I ain't touching that. <laughs> Yeah, but even even if you do a straight trade, where like you tell the team, "I'll take care of the window repair," I just want to sign bat from the player that hit it. You're, yeah, you're still saving two hundred bucks on the bat. Yep. So, I don't know. Maybe, maybe to be honest, because again, I don't know. I don't know where this guy parked around the Cardinals spring training facilities. Matthew, you don't either. Maybe he had the inside track and this is what he wanted the whole time. Or she. One of them wanted it. I mean, maybe. It wouldn't have occurred to me, but now that it has, <laughs> now I'm thinking about stuff like this. Like, now I'm thinking about, see, the problem is, mm, see, I'm running into a problem here because we are doing spring training this year. Very excited, taking the family out. Can't wait. Mm-hmm. But we will be in a rental car, right? Because obviously I don't live anywhere near Arizona, so I can't drive my car there. So it's not going to work the same way if they hit your rental car, right? Do they have so, to know it's a rental? Well, I just mean, I don't know that you would necessarily get, like you don't get like what Irby was talking about, for example. You can't drive it around and be like, <laughs> get to hit yeah. that, you know? And I don't know that you necessarily are able to, like, you know, take the broken windshield for yourself. Like, not to mention the fact that you have the hassle done of dealing with the rental car company. 
So I think that the way that to do this is that it has to be a spring training that's within driving distance of somewhere like you personally can take a car that you own. Otherwise, it doesn't work. But with that, with that rental, the glass, like your little minions, you know they're going to be scooping up that glass and putting it in their pocket. Like, yep, that's Lars Newt Bar glass right there. <laughs> 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 I was like, I was confused for a second, like half a second. I was like, I have minions. Like, where are they? Why aren't they more helpful? Um, <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> we just took we just took a, a a baseball hitting a back window in spring training and turned it into like a nice long segment. So good job, us. That was. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see you other podcasts do that. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I just like I want to know like would you like we could run a poll on this. Like please poll. tell us. Tell us. Get in the comments on Twitter. We will do well, we'll try to put a poll up tomorrow actually from the account. I'll try to do a poll for this. Um but yeah, like get out there. Like we want it we want your vote. Like mm-hmm. would you let a baseball player hit your car in exchange for a signed bat? <laughs> I think that's an outstanding poll. Like, is this just us? Or is this like, I I mean, it makes perfect sense to me. But we'll we'll run a poll. We'll we'll see what the masses think about this. (laughs) Oh, man. All right. Irby, anything else on this before we get into the time capsule? No, I'm I'm excited about the results there. (laughs) All right. All right, so uh, Time Capsule is yours truly this week. So, of course, we're going back to the 80s because this is just my favorite decade of all time. Can I have some fun? In the year 1987, the home team won the World Series every single game for the first time in history. So the first time the home team won Every single game. Game one was also the very first World Series game played indoors in Minnesota. That's right. The 87 World Series, the Twins over the Cardinals in seven games. It was the first championship for the Washington Senators slash Minnesota Twins franchise since 1924. Fun nugget from the 1987 season that I know you guys are going to appreciate. Twins pitcher Joe Necro was suspended in August, on August 3rd, for 10 days for possessing a nail file on the pitcher's mound. Necro claimed he had been filing his nails in the dugout and put the file in his back pocket when the inning started. There's a lot to unpack there. (laughs) Why is he filing his nails in the middle of the game? I have questions. I have questions. Yeah, yeah. I just... This is back when you could just say literally anything about doctoring the ball, and people would be like, all right. And no one would believe you, but also no one cared. So, uh, <laughs> sure, buddy. Sure thing. All right. 1987 Super Bowl, so it's the 1986 season. Do you guys have a guess? Yeah, I think I know this one. Um, this is Giants over Broncos, right? That's correct. Anybody, what about the MVP? Mm-hmm. You guys got the MVP? It's probably Phil. Is it Phil Sims or is it like someone random? It's Phil Sims. Well done. All right. Well done. Um, this is going to be easy because I can tell you right now the NBA Finals was pure 80s chalk. 
Lakers Celtics. Lakers <laughs> over Celtics. <laughs> <you> okay, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Lakers over Celtics. Four games to two. How about the Stanley Cup? Anybody? Anybody? Only oh, yeah, me. I eighties. So I mean, what the 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 easy guess is the Oilers. Okay. So they win like. Five or six. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The Oilers won in 87. Who they beat in how many games? They beat someone uh, in the Eastern. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, sure. <laughs> Boston, Pittsburgh, Philly. Like, like I can just guess at this point. <laughs> Philadelphia Flyers <laughs> in seven games. That was your Stanley Cup there final. There you go. All right. Was it all the home teams again? <laughs> Uh, I, do, I do not have that particular statistical nugget, but uh, I can look it up later for you. The NCAA football championship was settled in the Fiesta Bowl that year. Any guesses? I'm looking at you, Samantha. Looking at you. Yeah, it's Penn State. There Penn we State. go. Yeah. <laughs> I know this one. <laughs> I beat Miami. <laughs> Penn State over Miami, 14 to 10 in the Fiesta Bowl. How about basketball? Who won the who won the, the basketball championship in 1987? I'll give you a hint. The margin of victory was one point. One oh. point. Wow. So okay. So how chalky is this? For the 80s, the the victor is very chalky. The eh, I wouldn't call the 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 losing team chalky at any point in college basketball, but. The winner was definitely okay. East Chalk. Okay. So, Duke, North Carolina. Nope. I'm in the right region. No. 80s. Think, think, think 80s college basketball. Oh, Indiana. Oh, is this, there yeah, we go. Of, <laughs> good job. I don't know who they played, though. I, I don't think I have any idea. You said it's not Chalky? Not really. Not really. Irby? I mean, this oh, this, this John. I, I don't know. <laughs> this, this this team shows up from time to time, and they're good for a few years, and then they're back to mediocrity for a decade. Indiana over Butler. S- <laughs> no, oh. <laughs> Indiana over Syracuse. Arkansas. Oh, Syracuse. Uh, uh, Indiana over Syracuse, seventy-four to seventy-three in the championship game. That Syracuse. Year. Okay. Okay. Yeah, you know, you're you're right. Uh, yeah, show up every couple of years and disappear. Show up, disappear. Yep. yep. Uh, <laughs> That's Syracuse. All right. So, some other notable events. 1987 was a jam-packed year, guys. Uh, we had Ronald Reagan telling Gorbachev to tear down this wall. That was in 1987. Uh, sports fans, particularly. College football fans will know this one. February 25th, 1987, SMU was handed the first death penalty by the NCAA Committee on Rules and Fractions. Not only the first, to this day, it has not been given again because they absolutely destroyed SMU's athletic program from top to bottom. It wasn't just the football program. Every program was directly impacted by that decision. Um, Spuds McKenzie debuts as the spokes dog for Bud Light. That was in 1987. Oh, I miss him. Here's one, here's one that I did a double take on because this is, this is a little crazy. Red Bull debuted in Austria in 1987. Yep. Wow. Wow. <laughs> 
Wow, indeed. I think I was in college before I became aware of Red Bull. Well, yeah. they, they didn't have wings yet. They couldn't get over here. <laughs> it's just a thing that people mix with vodka. Ah, they still do. It's good. Just, mm-hmm. I enjoy it. All right. Um, also, in 1987... Uh, Samantha, I don't know. I don't know if this news. I mean, it was national news, and it may have hit you up there in Ohio. I know, Irby, you should know this. Uh, in 1987, a young girl named Jessica McClure fell into a well in Midland, oh, yeah. Texas. Jessica. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. She was rescued in this. after two days in the well in 1987, which was during the football season because Midland was playing Odessa that week. It should have sent Lassie, and she would have been out in, like, 22 minutes. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> really 19- poor planning. So, 1987 did, in fact, have cell phones that looked like bricks. Here's the fun part, guys. To have a cell phone in 1987, you paid a service fee of 100 to $150 a month, and on top of that, 50 cents per minute to make a call. Wow. Oh, I'm not. My best friend at the time's parents had a car phone and it had a cord attached to it. And it cost like $3 to make a call. (laughs) (laughs) This is the most ridiculous thing ever. (laughs) All right. In the world of entertainment, Cheers, The Golden Girls, and Growing Pains were the top TV shows. In 1987, we had some notable debuts. A Different World, Married with Children, and Full House made their debuts in 1987, along with a small cartoon short in the Tracy Ullman show that was called The Simpsons. Ooh. 1987. What ever happened to that show? (laughs) I don't know. I, I keep standing here from time to time. I did not know. Well, well, I did not remember that it was a it was a it was a short in the middle of another program. <laughs> no, I didn't know that. And then oh. it spiraled out on its own. Uh, also, in 1987, Aretha Franklin becomes the first woman to be inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame before it actually existed. So weird. Weird. Uh, now, you guys might remember this. I know I do. Uh, McDonald's and Disney, for the first time in 1987, they, they teamed up for the first series of Happy Meal tie-ins. I believe it was the Cinderella movie uh, was the first one. But they also had a fun little Happy Meal toy that lollygagging sports would absolutely be a fan of. The Muppet Babies Happy Meal toys were in 1987. Aww. Nice. Other popular toys from 1987 are gym dolls, micro machines, and pogo balls. Those were the top toys from the. I had micro machines. I don't remember the other two. Gem? I was very, uh, yeah, no, I was very into gem. Although I didn't have the doll. I did watch the cartoon, but I don't think I had a doll. All right, one final little nugget before we get into the top grossing movies of 1987. Nintendo released Mike Tyson's Punch Out! In 1987, and there's no doubt that they were happy it was before the ear-biting incident, because who wants to write the code for that video game? (laughs) Yeah, that's true. (laughs) All right, so that was 1987 in a synopsis. Let's talk movies. Let's talk music. I'm I'm assuming you guys want movies first? Yeah, let's do movies first. Yeah. All right. There's some, there's some, the top 10 is filled with movies that everyone should know. 
So let's see how you guys do. Any any opening shots, any opening guesses for movies, 1987? I'm going to take a page out of your mom's book and go with Lethal Weapon. Ooh, Lethal Weapon comes in at number eight. Number Whoa. eight. Oh, that is lower than I thought. Thought it would that would have been higher, but I'm just happy wow. it's there and that I got the gear right. <laughs> okay. You know, a little I'm some... assuming Mannequin is not in the top ten. No, Mannequin is not at the man- Mannequin is twenty one uh, this year. Oh, that um, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Lethal Weapon was released March sixth, and it brought in sixty five point two million. Yeah, okay. Well, so um, I'm gonna also throw out one of my. This actually is one of my favorite movies. Uh, Kevin Costner, mm. Sean Connery. The oh, Untouchables. The Untouchables. Ooh. Number four in 1987. Nice. $76 million released June 5th. Um, um, I'm thinking RoboCop. RoboCop Ooh, was a good guess, but it was number 14. How about Dirty Dancing? Number 16. Oh no, Irby, I'm you. <laughs> you. <laughs> Look what's happening to me. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay. These are it's it's so much harder these because we wouldn't necessarily have been exposed to it because when you're little kids, you know what I mean. Like by the time you're like middle school age, like you can like pick up an Entertainment Weekly. And you will see all the movies, you know, even if you don't actually go and see them or watch them, like you're aware of them. Like we were so little for these ones in the eighties, <laughs> that like, you're not necessarily aware of anything that either your family didn't own or go see, or that you haven't like seen a trailer for, but it's hard to pinpoint the year, you know, it, you know? it is. Yeah. That's why I'm going like to the mid eighties. Like, like they all run yeah. together for me. Yeah. It's, it's difficult. I'm going to give you a, a, a kind of a three movie shotgun. Oh, I try to show you shotgun here, but like in this, the t- this is the time of where we're getting all the Vietnam movies. There Apocalypse mm-hmm. now, uh, Full Metal Jacket, mm-hmm. and Platoon. Irby got number two with Platoon. Whoa! Here's the fun part: Platoon was released December nineteenth, brought in one hundred thirty six million. It was number two in nineteen eighty seven. Haven't seen it. It should surprise no one. Um, okay. <laughs> Let's see. All right. You guys are doing really good, though. So far. Um, Let me know when you need hints. Now that you said that. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think what else is around this time. Um... Harrison Ford in here? Where are we at on like Harrison Ford? Oh, yeah, you got action movies. Not in the top 10. Not in the top 10. But you would think he'd be somewhere, that's for sure. He took a year off for faith and family. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Okay. Um, Uh, Oh, um, The Princess Bride. Oh. The Princess Bride was a popular. No, it was popular, but not not as popular as you think. It was number thirty-five. I know. I knew it was that year. Uh, Princess Bride was number thirty-five. 
There is one movie in the top 10 that had it not been released Thanksgiving week would have probably been the top movie of the year. It's a very, Um, very popular 80s movie. Not even a cult following, just a following. Like, like it, it did. It, they did make a sequel a couple years later. It's a Disney Studios motion picture. Disney Studios, so it's so like a family animated. movie. Yes, and but it's not animated. It's not it's animated. Family, but not not it's animated. Honey, I shrunk the kids. No, 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 not Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. I think that was eighty nine. Um, Curly soup. Ew. Lord. I've never actually seen that, but I definitely remember the movie posters. It might be later, actually. I don't know. Awful movie. No, that's. I don't see. Isn't it it like a child gambler or something? Um, I don't really know what it's about. It didn't interest me as a child. Yeah, me either. No, this one, um, it actually had three very popular actors at the time. Oh, it's Three three Men and a Baby. Three Men and a Baby. Checking in at number five. Which I've also never seen. Here, this is going to be one of those where we are going to have to ask the question, has Samantha seen any of these? (laughs) So far, the answer is no. Not for the ones in the top ten, anyway. Ooh. You would like The Untouchables. I've seen zero of The Untouchables is a good film. You'd like that. I think I wrote that down at some point as like thing I should watch, and then I forgot about it. Maybe now I will remember. Um, but yeah, I'm bad zero so far on that. There's a, there's a what good use of a baseball bat in that movie. Oh, yes, right there off the top, right there off the top. Yeah, there's a, yeah, and that was definitely an oak bat, man. Like that was actually that might, it might have been maple. Yeah, it might have been maple. <laughs> All right, uh, all right. So you need you need movies one, three, six, seven, nine, and ten. Is there? I mean, is there going to be one of the police academies in here? There is a police academy, but it's not in the top ten. That would be pretty good. <laughs> that would Probably be down in the twenties and thirties. Police Academy four, Citizens on Patrol number forty. Because it was number four. Uh, the first one is a sequel. In fact, it was a sequel to a very popular movie involving a Saturday Night Live comic. Um, ooh, 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 ooh. Uh, Beverly Hills Cop 2. Beverly Hills Cop 2. Samantha. Look what I got. There you go. I got a job at Angus Watson's Yay. Hey, you know what else, guys? We finally found one that I've seen. Beverly Hills Cop 2 released on May 20th brought in $153.6 million for Paramount Pictures. All right. All right. Number three uh, serves as a movie that terrifies all men to this day. If that doesn't give it away, I don't know. If that doesn't, uh, I don't know what fatal else. Fatal attraction. There it is. Fatal attraction number oh, three. Yeah. I have not seen it, but I do know the gist. It Shouldn't is... it be more that it terrifies rabbits? No, it's just terrifying. It's, <laughs> it's just terrifying. 
<laughs> it's just terrifying. 125 million released on September 18th. Also, Paramount Pictures. Paramount Pictures had a good year. They had three of the top four. All right. That will leave six, seven, nine, and ten. Uh, six was a. It was right there in the in the Michael J. Fox era. But it wasn't obviously Back to the Future. Michael J. Fox. What did Michael J. Fox? Was he in something else? (laughs) Yes. Team Wolf. No, not Team Wolf. No, no, no. And and this one, and and this one, he graduates college, goes to New York, and works his way up from the mailroom. Yeah, I don't know. To be an executive, a business executive. Um, uh, give me a couple more. The Secret of My Success. There it is. Number six. Yeah. What? I've never even heard of this movie. Are you sure that's a real movie? It's good. I actually like that movie. <laughs> <laughs> I actually like not that movie. not real, but it is the answer. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that, that leaves seven, nine, and ten, guys. Uh, ten is a very popular action movie. Had a lot of action stars in it. This is like the Expendables before the Expendables. Um, oh, um, well, we Commando or Predator? Predator number ten. Predator fifty nine point seven million released June twelfth. All right, guys, let's leave seven and nine. Seven was the first of two movies. That had Emilio Estevez and the guy from Jaws. I can't remember his name now. Robert Shaw? Which guy? I'm thinking. Roy Schneider? No. The other one. Richard Dreyfuss? Richard Dreyfuss, thank you. Yes. (laughs) Richard Dreyfuss and Emilio Estevez did two movies. This was the first of the two. I don't think I know what this is. Is it like an action movie? It is an action movie. Is that is an, is an action? It's an action comedy. <laughs> it's an action comedy. Action comedy. I got nothing. <laughs> I don't know. All right. Uh, on August seventh, nineteen eighty-seven, Stakeout was released. Sorry, Emilio Estevez and Richard Dreyfuss. Sixty-five point sure. six million. It's a great movie. You guys ought to look that up. That's a good one. That's a good one. I think I'm gonna pass, but thanks. <laughs> All right, that leaves number nine. Now, I have not personally seen this movie, um, but I will give you the synopsis according to Box Office Mojo. Three single women, <laughs> three single women in a picturesque village, have their wishes granted at a cost when a mysterious and flamboyant man arrives in their lives. What? The craft? The space <laughs> the craft. <laughs> wait. Hocus Pocus. <laughs> is it, is, wait, so is it like, kind of that same genre? I um, think so, but I don't know for sure. <laughs> oh, um, yeah, it shares in it. And um, Michelle Pfeiffer. Oh, um, um, yeah, I think I know what this is. I haven't seen it, but... Uh, d- the Witches of Eastwick. There it yes, is. Yes, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> the okay. Witches of Eastwick. Yeah, that's that's number nine. <laughs> I have seen one of those, you guys. One out of ten. <laughs> one. 
Just me and Eddie Murphy. But it was number one. <laughs> True. True. All right. Some other honorable mentions. Uh, Crocodile Dundee, the original, the OG, number 13. Uh, Robocop, 14. Dirty Dancing, 16. Uh, Disney re-released Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. That was number 18. Irby, you mentioned Full Metal Jacket. That was number 19. Mannequin checks in at 21, followed by a also a quirky comedy called Roxanne. That's number 22. Spaceballs. Mel Brooks's classic, Woo-hoo. number 24, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, a Thanksgiving classic, was number 29 in the year it was released, but it was also released Thanksgiving week. Uh, cult classic Adventures in Babysitting was number 32. Oh, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> the Princess Bride was number 35. The sequel to Revenge of the Nerds, Revenge of the Nerds 2, Nerds in Paradise, was number 37. Instead of just one. <laughs> wow. Really, really, really should have. I, I hate to admit it, but I also watched three. Lord, no. I have not seen any of us. At three, it's no longer revenge. <laughs> uh, another re-release from Disney, Lady and the Tramp at 68. Three Amigos. Was number seventy one, number seventy three was Superman four: The Quest for Peace, which is the dumbest name I've ever seen. <laughs> the, quest. <laughs> the Quest for Peace. Oh my god! Oh. This literally sounds like hey, we gotta have the title win in like two seconds. What do you? Oh, Quest for Peace done. Sign it. <laughs> Five Five of the Mouse made his trek to New York. In 1987, he was number 82. In 19, wow, that was all the way down there. Yeah. Wow. It was also released November 21st, but still 13 million. That's yeah. You know. Okay. Uh, another yeah. Viet, another uh, not a Vietnam movie, but it's another war movie. Heartbreak Ridge, number 90. Mm-hmm. Broadcast News, mm-hmm. number 96, and to round all of it out, Overboard was number 100. In 1987. Hey, Overboard's good. I'm sad it was that far down. The ones before that, like you could have been making them up, and I would have no idea. You know, but I do like Overboard. I am curious to see what. You, oh, I'm curious. You've to see. seen one in 100. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I, oh. There were. I mean, obviously, I've seen like Dirty Dancing and Robo. Yeah, yeah. Too. Like there were in Snow White. There were there were a few in there, but yes, one in 100. So I bookended. It's uh, <laughs> great. Okay, so uh, this is actually kind of fun. Um, number 102 is My Life as a Dog. It was released to one theater. <laughs> but somehow made $8.3 million. Wow. Okay. The wife paid $8.3 million to watch it. <laughs> uh, Samantha, this one's for you. Uh, Teen Wolf 2, and we're spelling 2, T-O-O. Teen Wolf 2 was number 103. I don't know there was a Teen Wolf 2, but I did enjoy the first Teen Okay. Huh. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. All right. Let's get into, let's get into music. Let's get into music. Uh, one of you better get at least one of these. I would say that the movies didn't really help us. Not really, no. Living on a Prayer. Number 10, Living on a Prayer, Bon Jovi. 
thought that was going to be number one. No. Uh, is there any other Bon Jovi up there? Uh, there is not, uh, not in the top 10. However, I can tell you that number one is a very annoying song. Very annoying. Annoying. Doesn't help. It's very annoying. Uh, it's, it's been used well, in a lot of movies and it was overplayed on the radio and it sucks. Let's go ahead and get out of the way. Nothing going to stop us now. That was, that was number five. I was waiting on one of you didn't get okay. that. I mean, I, I dropped that on pretty heavy. Uh, Smith. Yes, yes. Samantha, number six is is a song. At least the name you should know because our friends, the uh, the girls from Bewitched, also had a song by this name. Oh, okay, so Say La Vie. So that's the Robbie Neville song. Yes. Then. Good job. Ooh. Good. Hit. Okay. Yep. All right. Very very different <clears throat> sounding from the Bewitched Say La Vie. Very I, different song. I would um, really hope so. Not a remake. Um. <laughs> Wait, can we come back to the annoying one for a second? I have a question because I might have a guess for this. Is yep. this a band that where like the band is good but this song is bad? I would say so. Yes. Okay, so it's is it Walk Like an Egyptian? Yes. Yes, the Bengals missed on this one, even though everyone loved it, apparently, in 1987. Oh, it's so bad, though. Yeah, I mean, I I love the Bengals. I I think the Bengals are awesome, but that song was bad. (laughs) Really bad. (laughs) Just awful, yet somehow was number one in 1987. Wow. Oh, man. Okay. I had a bad feeling. As soon as you said it's really annoying, and I was like, oh, I think I know what this is. Oh, Susanna Hoffs, you almost never missed, but you missed so big on that one, and it ended up being the one everyone loved. Yikes. Yeah. <laughs> wow. You know what? Sum up America very quickly. Just there it is, right there. It's- yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, if you are extremely talented, give us your worst product, and we'll promote that one. Um, <laughs> yep. It has to be, it has yep, to be because everyone wanted to do the stupid dance, right? I'm sure that's why. Uh, yeah. Like, yeah. No, hard pass, hard pass, hard pass. All right. Um, all right, so you got one, and you've got ten, and you've got five. So you still need two, three, four. Oh, yeah, she got six, too. And you need two, three, four, seven, eight, nine. One more time, Ruby. You're breaking up there a little bit. What would you say? Is, is it too early for you, too? No, but they're in the fifteenth. Always too early for you. <laughs> you know what's funny? You know, I, I'll tell you what's funny about that. Uh, With or without you was number fifteen <laughs> in nineteen eighty-seven. Number fourteen was the the song Always. So nicely done, Samantha. That was it's a nice little lead-in. Oh, there we go. Okay. <laughs> two. Oh. Is there? Um, oh, hang on, hang on. Now, so if you look at it, if you look at it, it's, it's always with or without you. It's fantastic. Oh, boy. Is there any um, Whitney Houston? Whitney, I think it was an album this year, was it not? Whitney Houston's number four. Which one is it? So it's either How Will I Know or I Want to Dance with Somebody. It's I Want to Dance with Somebody, number four, Whitney Houston. Yay. All right. Oh. Um, um, Billy Idol? Ooh, yeah. Mm, Billy Idol uh, checks in number 19 with Money Money. Are we too early for cool. Debbie Gibson? Mm. Ooh. Uh, no, but she's number 26 with Only In My Dreams. 
Um, Number two is a very popular group in the 80s. Very, very popular. Uh, more of a pop group. Actually, actually, no, 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 no. They may actually be more of like a like a like a, like a pop rock. They kind of did a lot of things. Pop rock group. <laughs> and I very well could be wrong on that genre. That's just how I look at them. But you know, I'm weird. They like a hair band. No, they're a little they're a little too ballady in their songs. They're 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 very heart filled songs. You know, like they're very ballady. Wait, is it is it heart? Did you do that on purpose? Is it heart? I don't know. Did I? Oh, <laughs> so it's hard. <laughs> it's hard. Which song was number two in nineteen eighty seven? Um. By the way, Samantha's getting much better at picking up on these hints. Mm-hmm. Is it? Wait, how do I get alone? There it okay. is. I had to sing it to myself because I couldn't remember <laughs> what the punchline was. Yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. It was it was number two is alone by heart. That crazy about no heart. Okay. Um, oh, wow. do we have any Madonna? Ooh, yeah. Um, well, she had four songs in the top one hundred, but none in the top ten. Let me guess, it's somewhere in the teens and the 20s. That's just what I mean. <laughs> Let's see, where do we find... Madonna, is number, her first song was number 30 with Open Your Heart. Wow. <laughs> I know, I like that song. What's it doing at number 30? Wait, come on, it's behind... Is anything... Is he walking like an Egyptian? It's, it's, it's behind... <laughs> is right? She's behind George Michael, I Want Your Sex. I mean, come on, people. Well, yeah, not George Michael's finest work. Um, <laughs> is there anything from the Dirty Dancing soundtrack? Like Time of My Life or any of those? So Time of My Life oh, is yeah. Hungry Eyes. It should help us. Time of Life, yeah, that's number 27. The, I've had the time of, of, of my life. Um, is anything in the top 10? I don't think so. No, Eric Carmen, Hungry Eyes or anything like that? No, which is uh, really... Really stupid that he's not up here with that one. That was a, that's one of my favorite songs from the eighties. Yeah, it's a good. He had a couple good ones. He went to the high school next to mine, actually. Fun fact: Eric Carmen, Rush <laughs> High School. There is one hair band in the top ten. One hair band, okay. Jeff Leppard. No, 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 no. Should be poison. But no. <laughs> no. White um, snake. White snake. Warren. Oh, White let me go back. Oh, is it is it Here I Go? Here I Go Again, number seven by Whitesnake. All right. All right, so you, you need three, eight, and nine. That's what you need. Three, eight, and nine. I have, honestly, three. I have no idea on three. Um, Uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> Great. <laughs> I, I, I can't say... I may have heard this song, <laughs> but I I don't remember it. <laughs> Is that a hint? No, it's really not. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, this one, I mean, you, you can shake me down, but I don't think you're going to get this one out of me. Um, 
Okay, so I'm going to guess the song is called Shake Me Down, but I don't know a song called Shake Me Down. Shake Me Down? What? Nope. Um, <laughs> is, is that the name of the song? <laughs> Actually, that, that hit would work for two songs in the top ten. Uh, no, number three was Shake You Down by Gregory Abbott. No idea. Who? The governor? <laughs> Who is Gregory Abbott? I don't know. That's what I was I've trying never to tell you heard guys. of this person. Wow. I wonder what that is. I don't even know what genre. Um, I don't want to know. Gregory. <laughs> okay. Shake you down, Gregory right. Abbott. Ugh. Okay. Um, I also, I, I think I'm going to be able to help you, Samantha, since you're doing all the heavy lifting here. Thanks to Bo's last one there, uh, is Bob Seger's Shakedown. That's number nine. Well done. Picked up on the head. Good job. Nicely done. All right, that just leaves eight. Which I know that song. I don't know Shake You Down. <laughs> or Shake Me Down. What do you say? I was one? really stuck on Shakedown Street by the Grateful Dead, which is obviously much older, uh, so I wasn't even yeah. there. Did they re release that? <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, number eight, the title of the song is eerily similar to the title of a very popular Celine Dion song. Like, it's only missing a couple of words. My heart will go on. No. It's all coming back to me now. The power of love. Um, (laughs) If you asked me to, that's the way it is. I could do this all day. I'm alive. Uh, How many of them do you want? Uh, Have I hit it yet? You have. Let's go back a few. Uh, The Way It Is is the song titled Any Idea on the Artist. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's Bruce Hornsby. Yeah. There you go. Bruce Hornsby in the range. All right, cool. Doesn't doesn't sound much like the Celine Dion song. It's the same title. Again, (laughs) um, much like Bewitched and... uh, <laughs> that bewitch thing is gonna haunt us forever, Bo. We're gonna be haunted by yeah. this forever. Yeah. Somebody is gonna bring it up at one of our funerals, probably whoever dies second. Uh, <laughs> oh, absolutely! Yeah, yeah that, that's terrible, but true. Terrible, but true. All right, so, yep. so some honorable mentions here. Uh, at number twelve, nineteen eighty-seven was the year that that Wang Chung told everybody to have fun tonight. That was number twelve. Wow. wow, that is not a good song. No, okay. it's not. Uh, one of my personal favorites, and I don't care who judges me for it, Tiffany, I think we're alone now, number 18. Oh, <laughs> Tiffany. <laughs> Whitney. The trailer trash girl that sang in malls. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Whitney Houston, number 22, with Didn't We Almost Have It All. Uh See, I've had a time of my life, number 27. Uh, Peter Cetera with The Next Time I Fall, number 28. He's saying that with oh, Amy with Grant. Yep. Amy Grant, yep. that's right. Wow. Oh, yeah, that's a deep cut. Wow, I'm sorry. All right. Oh, All right. Uh, forgot about that song. Lisa, Lisa, and Cold Jam got lost in emotion. That was number 31. <laughs> Ooh. Mm. Kim Wilde, You Keep Me Hanging On, was number 34. I legit looked to see if I had this song for the opening audio, but I didn't have it. I I think I was I think I liked that song a lot as a small child, a and song. I can only explain it by the fact that I think because I watched a lot of MTV, and I was you know very into aesthetics as I still am, and I really liked her hair. I don't know why it wasn't like particularly special looking, but I as a small child I really liked her hair. Well, there you go, there you go. Uh, number forty three was "You Got It All" by the Jets. Another one of my guilty pleasures. <laughs> Okay. 
Uh, Huey Lewis in the news took a little break from Back to the Future and did Hip to Be Square. That was number 49. Yeah. One one of my all-time favorite bands to this day. Love me some Huey Lewis. Irby's va- favorite band, the Chicago Transit Authority, came out with Will You Still Love Me at number 50. But at that point, they were, in fact, just Chicago. They would have been just Chicago, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ran out of letters. You can't try spell We've really been through it with that band. <laughs> <laughs> number 60, Sign of the Times by Prince. Number 61, Cindy Lauper checks in with Change of Heart. Mandolin Rain, number 65. See, now I actually like that song better than the other Bruce Hornsby song that was in the top 10. Mandolin Rain. I know that one. I don't know that one. Sure. (laughs) I think Bruce Hornsby is like, I I hated him as a kid. I thought it was like old people music. And like now when I hear Bruce Hornsby, I'm like, I kind of like this. I'm like, oh, is it just because I'm the old person now? Is that why? (laughs) No. No. (laughs) No? You're not old. <laughs> All right. No, eight. but I mean, am I old enough to like the things that I thought old people were into when I was like, you know, yes, in you elementary school? Yeah. I mean, I mean, <laughs> so. th- think about it, when we were kids, we thought that 40 was like the ultimate old age. Like at that point, you're just dead. Mm-hmm. Oh, I thought people who were like, you would like see, like you would have like a teacher and you would find out they were 27 and you were like, oh my gosh, they're ancient. Right. <laughs> 27. Like, Wow, that's old. Oh, I'm so sad. I feel really bad about that now, kind of like when I hear children say things like, people who were born in the 1900s, and I'm like, the 1900s. Wow. <laughs> All right. And at, at number 72, Gloria Stefan and the Miami Sound Machine warned us that the rhythm was going to get us. That was number 72. Oh, it did. <laughs> <laughs> it did, didn't it? Sure did. uh, they got me. I'm I'm pro Miami Sound Machine. Uh, very pro Miami Sound Machine. Mm-hmm. Uh, never name one of your your sports teams on that soccer. That would have been great. Miami Sound Machine. Uh, <laughs> I, I I have a bucket list item that I want to see Miami Sound Machine live in Miami before I die. Or That's a good before they die. I'm about to say, I, th- th- I think I'm gonna, you know, <laughs> change that around a little bit. Um, all right, uh, number ninety six in what I think is a very underrated ballad, Kenny Loggins saying "Meet Me Halfway." That's number ninety six. I'm a big Kenny Loggins fan. I approve of that take. <laughs> big on, big on Kenny Loggins. Love me some yacht rock. Yeah, 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 yeah. Number ninety eight, the Beastie Boys told us we had to fight for our right to party. That was number ninety eight. Wow! In nineteen eighty. Oh, why is that? Wow! So low? I loved that song. <laughs> I well, Irby, I told you the story about the the hippogriff. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, <laughs> excellent song. <laughs> uh, n- number ninety nine was a remake, and I don't know why they would do this, but Funky Town apparently was remade by Pseudo Echo in number ninety nine in nineteen eighty seven. And number one hundred, number number one hundred was "Love You Down" by Ready for the World. Who names their band Ready for the World? Honestly, <laughs> that's a band. Wow, I would hope it's a band. See, as long as you name it, they thought they were. Band, Adam, no one will remember you. We'll see now. Um, we'll see now. I'm curious. Okay, 
Well, this gets better. They were just hyping themselves up. Ready ready for the World is an American R&B band from Flint, Michigan that scored several pop, soul, and dance hits in the mid to late 1980s. If you say so. Let's see. I I believe you because I think that's probably verifiable, but like... Well, yeah. the, their first album was was also the, the 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 name of their band, Ready for the World. Uh, it got the highest it got. Its peak position was on the U.S. R and B chart at number three. So there you go. I just if you had said, "Do you know what Ready for the World is?" With no context. I don't think I would have picked band as the answer. But okay, sure thing, guys. Sure. All right. <laughs> Ready for the world. Oh, looks like their best song was actually called Oh Sheila. Oh, I know that song. I thought that was Prince. <clears throat> so did I. <laughs> 100% thought that was a Prince song. That is hilarious. I am so dumb. Wow. <laughs> that was released in 1985 and it reached number one US Billboard Hot 100. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Wow, indeed. I've learned a thing today. So that was <laughs> that was 1987, guys. Uh, crazy year, <laughs> lot going on, including "Ready for the World" and their top 100 song. <laughs> Barely. <laughs> I know there's somebody out there somewhere who loves that band and doesn't understand why everyone's forgotten. And I'm like, I don't think I knew that in the first place, man. Like, Ready for the world. That that is. It doesn't even sound remotely familiar to me. Great time, Capsule Lobo. Great job. <laughs> that was fun. <laughs> that was a blast. That was. That was. That was. Any, any, any comments on 1987 before we go? Um, go Penn State. There you go. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Good way. Good way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that's going to do it for us. But before we go, wherever you're listening to the podcast, give us a like, subscribe to the show, leave a review, look out tomorrow because there may or may not be a poll about baseballs hitting your windshields on Twitter. So, you know, keep an eye out for that. We'll see. We'll see how everyone else feels on the subject. But for now, we're out of here until next week. We got spring training baseball starting this weekend. So, you know what to do.